Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 712 for January 20th, 2022. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is the wizard, Alec Johnson. Alec, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Allison. It's a pleasure to be here. All right, so Alec is the host of the YouTube channel, Take One Tech. He does amazing how-to guides on Stream Deck, Hazel, Keyboard Maestro, and many of the basic features of the Mac operating system. When I first found his YouTube video tutorials, I just started devouring them because I was learning so much. And I think I know everything about the Mac and everything, but I had just gotten a Stream Deck and he had these great videos that were just right to the point, jumped in, no faffing about, just, just got right to what I wanted to learn. And uh, so I asked Alec, would he come on the show? Because I wanted him to talk about how he creates the show and are these amazing tutorials. They're unique in the style and quality of the content, the way he lays things out. And I didn't even realize how unique, unique they really were, if you can forgive me using how unique as a, as a phrase, uh, because you do some things that are just bananas in my mind. So um, before we dig into the show and how you do what you do, can you give us some background on yourself, your, like your tech background, how long you've been a Mac person, where you're from, that sort of thing? Yeah, sure. So uh, my background's in engineering, so uh, mechanical engineering, uh, but done quite a few different things over the course of my, uh, <laughs> my career. Uh, I moved to uh, Thailand. I'm from the UK originally, but I moved to Thailand 16 years ago uh, for a long time over here. I had an architectural design and construction company, uh, but I've always used sort of tech, obviously, as a, uh, a core part of everything I'm doing. Uh, and uh, it was actually the same time that I moved over to Thailand was when I switched from PC to Mac. Uh, I was a, a Vista casualty <laughs> for Windows. Uh. Um, and <laughs> it was around about that time that I was obviously looking for ways to expand my Mac knowledge. And that's when I first came across uh, NoSilicast, the Mac Roundtable, and all of the other uh, great Mac podcasters uh, to help me get up to speed with uh, with the Mac. And obviously, once you've uh, uh, gone down the Mac route, that's it for life then, isn't it? So, <laughs> <laughs> I, You know, I told Alec when we were talking before we started recording that I feel like I'm meeting an old friend. I mean, we have so much in common. I didn't know you were a mechanical engineer until just now. Uh-huh. I'm a mechanical engineer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is this is getting spooky. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's always it, good it when out- two, two geeks meet. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Now, the only way I can tell you're in Thailand is we have a little bit more of a lag than uh, than we usually do. It must be you're so far around the world there that that's, uh, <laughs> that's about, what's causing it. About the other side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, about as far away as you can be. So you've been a, a Mac person for how long then would that be? Around 16 years. Okay, okay. Right around. So the, the only Windows I ever used was Vista. So right. you're a Vista casualty, and I, I only dip my toe in once into Windows, and I, I apparently picked the worst possible time to check yes, it out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, the thing I like to say about Windows is that I, I never felt like I could make it sing. You know, mm-hmm. I could get there. I could get yes, from yeah. A to B, and I could get it done, but I just felt like I was just plotting, forcing my way through, that I couldn't, I never got it, you know, just to do my bidding. Yeah, well, I think a lot of Windows users who sort of grew up on Windows or, or that's the only thing they know, they think that that's the way it has to be. And then it's only when you sort of come from that world to trying a Mac that you think, oh, why was I suffering all that time? I didn't realize there was a much easier way to do things, the logical way. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping uh, listener Jill uh, from the Northwoods, who contributes a lot to the show, is trying to make the transition from Windows to the Mac. And she's where I was with Windows. Is She can do things with the Mac, but it's still plotting for her. So it's going to be interesting to watch her her journey and see whether right. she gets there. But this isn't about Jill. We want to talk about you. So you create these video tutorials. And the first thing I was really impressed with was the layout of the videos. So uh, I tend to do video, when I do videos for Screencast Online, it's just the content. That's all you see. I've also seen people do a talking head that's kind of superimposed over the video. And it's kind of fun because you get to see the person, but it does distract, I think, from the video itself. But you've done something completely different. Can you describe the layout and, and maybe get into how you do that? Yeah, sure. So um, it's uh, it's it usually starts with sort of me talking to camera, so no content on the screen initially, just uh, just me, you know, explaining what we're going to be doing. Uh, I do find that it's useful sometimes to have that sort of eye contact and interaction when uh, you know somebody's trying to explain something to you. Um, and then I'll maybe, if it's a, a software package, then I'll still be on the screen, but sort of over to one side. So I've changed the sort of layout of my uh, my video. Uh, scenes, if you like, the different templates, but um, it's often, you know, a picture of a Mac with the content on the screen uh, and then me over to one side. But then sometimes I'm demonstrating some piece of hardware like the Stream Deck, for example. So I also have a camera above the desk that points down at the Stream Deck so that I can show how that works. Uh, and then other times I'll maybe have all three. So if I'm demonstrating, for example, how to set up the Stream Deck, it's sometimes useful to be able to see the hardware device and the software application and then uh, have me being able to gesture <laughs> and explain what I'm talking about as well. Yeah. So when you described how you show your your screen, I think that's what makes it, I don't know, classy is the best word I can come up with for it, is you have this graphic of what looks like a, a an IMAX screen, for example. It's not a really a photo, I don't think, but it's got the uh it's got the foot of the stand and and it just looks it just looks really clean and it's like, okay, that's the Mac. This is where you are. And then for the first time I saw you pull your screen your stream deck out and it it showed up down below and I'm not sure all videos would really require that, but the cool thing about the Stream Deck is you have an on-screen thing that you're messing with, but those changes that you're making in the in the app are also happening on a piece of hardware at the same yes. time. So it's really cool to see those together. That's mm -hmm. really powerful. Yeah, I try not to overuse it, but it uh, certainly does have its benefits to be able to show the two things at once so that people can see sort of how one thing's relating to another at times. Yeah, and the and the Stream Deck pushing those buttons is changing what's going on on that graphic of the of the computer monitor. So having those three pieces cemented together, if you've never used a Stream Deck, I can imagine it would be crucial to to understanding what was going on. Yes, yeah, yeah, and I mean the Stream Deck's just uh, I should say as you mentioned it there. It is a sort of integral part to uh, how I do everything as well on the uh, not just in producing the videos, but on, on the Mac. I mean, Stream Deck was originally for uh, live streamers to do things on their live streams and you know, bring up comments or things like that if they're doing a YouTube stream or something like that. Um, but I've just found that it's become, it's, it's become sort of my main productivity tool, really, because I can link it in with things like Keyboard Maestro and different things on the Mac to actually get stuff done on the Mac as well. 
Yeah, um, I'm going to be doing a whole thing on Stream Deck. On, on I've been working on my title. I think it's going to be something along the lines of "I didn't need a Stream Deck until I did," or or something <laughs> yes. like that. Because so many people have told me I needed a Stream Deck, and I could never figure out why. But then my friend Pat Dangler loaned me one, and I started playing with it, and it was clumsy, and I couldn't really see what the great value was. And then I found your videos. I went, "Oh, it can do that. Oh, it can do that. Hey, wait a minute, I could connect this and this and this. Oh my gosh! Now I, you couldn't tear it out of my cold dead fingers." So I went out and bought my own just a couple of days ago. And yep. and some of them are as simple as I'm going to press a button right now and turn off the light on my face. Oh, look, yes, there yeah. it's back. There's a light <laughs> switch on the lamp, but it's still easier to do it on the stream deck. <laughs> yeah. One, once you get one, you'll realize the, the world of possibilities that open up for it. And incidentally, there is a, a, a an app that you can download, a stream deck app for the phone. Uh, so you can try it out or try out the functionality before actually going out and buying one. And normally that is you know what, a... That, that oh. kept me from buying the Stream Deck because right. it was so clumsy to get out the phone, open it up, do something with it when I already had keystrokes for things that I was convinced that was the thing that convinced me I didn't need one. Got you. Right, right. I see, I see having, saying, the, yeah. the, having the buttons I, right on my desk, that was that was much better. Uh-huh. I, I totally agree. You can't beat the uh, the sort of tactile feel of the, the buttons and uh, it's, not the, it's not the same experience, but... It gives you an idea of how you can sort of create actions and the sort of actions that you can create. And so, I mean, I tried the mobile version for two days and then ordered the real one because oh, it, it was it was what sort of I was just like, let me just see kind of what the interface is like, how it works and what it can do. But then, uh, yes, I immediately pretty much went and bought the hardware version. I think, uh, it, it, by the way, Alec has a thing that called buy me a coffee. And the, the one video of yours that made me buy you a coffee, which is how I tricked you into talking to me today. Uh, <laughs> I got to remember that one was, uh, that I, um, oh, you showed how to do use text expander with stream deck, but the, but the intermediary needed to be uh, keyboard maestro but there was a tool you needed to download to the Stream Deck in order to talk to Keyboard Maestro, in order to talk to, to uh, Text Expander. And yes, that yeah. sounds really complicated, but you watch Alec for, I don't know, five or 10 minutes and you're like, oh, okay, I just install this, connect that, connect that. Okay, now I'm done. And and I use a lot of Text Expander snippets. So being able to have that in my my Stream Deck, that was that was worth the, the, uh, the coffee I bought you. Oh, well, thank you very much for the coffee. And I've just got to say, when I saw uh, it, the, the name was just Podfeet, I thought, I know that name. <laughs> it was a very, very nice surprise. <laughs> well, that was well for you to say you knew me. I mean, okay, we got to stop the fan fest. Here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so talk to me about how now you've got these three different things going on in the video at the same time. You've got video of your face, you've got uh, the, the screen displayed on a, a fake iMac, and then you've got an area below when you need it for when you want to show something physical. How, how do you build all of that? How are you doing all those three things at the same time? What is your software? What's your setup doing? Okay, so it's a program called Ecamm Live, which is uh, basically live production software for the Mac. Um, a lot of people may have heard of a uh, software called OBS, Open Broadcast, uh, Open Broadcast Software, which a lot of uh, live streamers use. Uh, and that is cross-platform, open source. Uh, the trouble with cross-platform is you often get the, the worst of both worlds, <laughs> whereas uh, obviously a dedicated platform software, uh, often you can uh, get better results. And Ecamm Live just got great developers behind it. It's just uh, two guys. A lot of people can't believe that it's, it is because of the, uh, the rate of development of it, uh, two twins and uh ken and glenn <laughs> and it's just oh. it's just such an amazing application and it's uh 
very sort of Mac-like in the, in its uh, layout and the way it works and the way you can do all of this stuff. Um, but um, yeah, it's just a really, really nice piece of software that basically you can build out different scenes. So when I was talking about, I have a, you know, a shot of me talking to camera, then there's the one of the different screenshots. So I can just sort of split, switch between the different uh, views. I've got a sort of desktop view. I can uh, switch to a different desktop view uh, and move things around on the screen. Or if I want to go to a top-down camera, then I've got a, a top-down shot that I can show what's going on from the top. Uh, and so I'm able to do, do all of this sort of live as I'm demonstrating to be able to show the different elements. And so Ecamm Live is the secret source. <laughs> For the audio-only audience, as he was saying that, it switched to his desktop and you could see him moving things around and then it switched to a camera that apparently is pointing down at his keyboard and he was able to show the physical thing as well. And then you've got like a layout created that that squirts all three of those into their respective places on that single screen? That's right, yes. So you start with a blank canvas and you can just build up different scenes uh, so you can show you know where you want all of the different things on your screen. Um, and uh, then, yes, they, they, they're just labeled as different scenes. And then using the Stream Deck, you're just basically pressing buttons to switch to those different uh, scenes. And then you can add in things like graphics, uh, overlays, things like that, and sound effects. So you can bring in little sort of lower thirds, things like that, uh, just with the touch of a of a button. So <laughs> it's uh, it's quite an amazing for the audio audience. He's now he's now putting up an enjoy this video, give it a thumbs up, and enjoy my content, buy me a coffee. <laughs> he's spamming us right now. Look at him go. <laughs> so we use Mima Live to do this, which is another uh, professional tool that uh, that allows us to do some of that. But what's interesting is how quickly and easily you're doing that. And I'm guessing, I'm spitballing here, you're pressing buttons on the Stream Deck to cause those changes in Ecamm Live? That's right, yes. So you can uh, assign all of those different things to buttons. The, of all of the uh, the third-party uh, plugins for Stream Deck, uh, Ecamm Live has got by far the most comprehensive. I mean, I don't know exactly how many actions. It's like 30 or 40 different actions that they've got. Uh, so basically anything that you can do in, or almost anything you can do in Ecamm Live, you can do with a stream deck button that's already been created for it. So it's very okay. versatile. So is this sort of similar to uh, an app having hooks for Apple script or for uh, shortcuts now having the hooks already built? Yes. Yeah, very much so. Uh, I mean, a lot of, a lot of apps now are having these building these um, plugins for stream deck and uh, loop deck is a very sort of similar device as well. Um, but um, yeah, having the, the things built so you can just control them directly from uh, from Stream Deck is very useful. Okay, okay. So you're not spending a lot of time goofing around trying to manage a piece of software to push different buttons by using the Stream Deck. That allows you to just keep smoothly going as you're switching ideas on 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 the show, right? That's it. Yes, yeah. And like I say, all the actions are sort of pre-built, so you're just sort of dragging them in and then deciding. You know, for the change scene, you just it's a drop down that's linked to the app. So you can just say which particular scene you want that button to switch to. Uh, and then, yeah, it's very intuitive. So you must have spent a lot of time up front building things to allow you to be more efficient. Uh, what is it? There's always the Chinese proverb, there's always time to stop and sharpen the axe. Yes. Like yeah, you definitely. think, oh, I can't stop because I'm in such a hurry. But if you take the time to sharpen the axe, then you're going to be faster and more efficient later. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I started my uh, my YouTube channel, which was fifteenth uh, of May last year, um, I basically spent like a month beforehand just getting everything set up for it. So, uh, yeah, work figuring out different scenes, different scene layouts, and all that sort of stuff. And uh, yeah, got all that work done up front. I'm still tweaking it. It's still an 
evolution, but uh, yeah, it was definitely some work up front to just get that all set up right. I can't believe this. Our anniversary date is almost the same. May 13th is when the no cast started. Ah, right. So. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you a happy anniversary every year together. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so a big part of what you do uh, is you do a lot of keyboard maestro also, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I use that just, I've been using that for almost as long as I've been using the Mac. I forget exactly when I f- oh, realized wow. that that was a, a thing, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those uh, that with, Text Expander and uh, a couple of other tools are kind of like core tools that I use for productivity. And so when I started the channel, it was all the idea was it was going to be around sort of Mac productivity and Mac applications. Uh, and then I got the Stream Deck to uh, use for the video production. And then that became the focus of a lot of my videos just because I fell in love with it. So, <laughs> but yeah. the, the, the fact that it integrates so well with uh, Keyboard Maestro means that. Lots of the things that you can do with, uh, you know, previously with just keyboard shortcuts, you can now do all sorts of fancy stuff with linking the Stream Deck to Keyboard Maestro to do those. You know, I I don't have obviously near as many things in Keyboard Maestro as you do, because I've only started using it like maybe a year ago. Um, But one of the reasons I didn't think I needed a Stream Deck was because I didn't, I know keystrokes. I'm a keystroke girl. I just, you know, I'm all over the keystrokes. But first of all, I'm running out of keystrokes to 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 assign as I get better at it. I'm like, okay, now it's I'm gonna have to hold down the Q and the zero at the same time or something. Um, but I was like, I already know the keystroke for that. But I don't know what it is. But there's something easier about pressing a button than using the keystroke. Yes, and it's already in my head. But apparently, mm-hmm. there's a translation that happens. I'm doing some sort of coordinate transformation to get it into my fingers, and that is just enough cognitive load that it's easier to press the button on the on yes. the stream deck and i don't i can't explain that so i i as i say had a architectural design and construction company over here and with the uh, the architecture side of stuff i was used to using one hand on the mouse and the other hand on a 3d mouse 3d space mouse that oh. could move in all different directions and then having little buttons on the side of that so that basically with my hand on two different devices, I could still just do everything that I needed to do on the computer. So the thing about keystrokes is I do use keystrokes over Stream Deck if I'm typing and I've got both hands on the keyboard. But as soon as you've got one hand off the keyboard, uh, they can sometimes be a bit more tricky. You're moving your hand back and forth from the mouse. And so the thing that I find is quite good about the Stream Deck is it's back to that thing of having one hand on one device and one hand poised over another one. And so if I'm doing stuff that isn't sort of typing heavy, then that's where the Stream Deck really comes into its own because I've just got the buttons there that I can just press with a single tap, no modifier keys or anything like that. So that's where I find it useful for me. Ah, that That is very interesting. Um, I think one of the other things is it's if you're visual at all, I think it's maybe a better way. There's a lot of people who don't like keystrokes. Uh, oh, that sure. just it just does, isn't a thing. You know, I've tried to convince a couple of people to use Text Expander, and they're just are, and they're just like, nah, that doesn't do anything for me. And it's like, how I couldn't live without Text Expander. So I yep. think our brains are different. But um, I have a, a keyboard maestro macro that a gentleman named Mike Price wrote for me, and his. Uh, his name in the chat room is Grumpy, the uh, uh, one of the seven dwarves. So he wrote this fabulous keyboard maestro macro that does uh, just 
eliminates a really annoying step in putting chapter marks in for me. And so I made a button and I put the seventh, the seven dwarf grumpy on the button. And so my brain thinks grumpy first, then it goes, okay, command, control, option, shift, H for Hindenburg, you know, that's way more work than going grumpy. And I press a button, (laughs) you know, I can see it and I don't have to think about what it is because I associate it with Mike. Yeah, it's definitely got that more tactile feel. It's also good for when when you're creating new uh, macros and things like that in Keyboard Maestro, then uh, you you don't have to build that muscle memory quite so much because you have got that visual cue of the the icon on the stream deck. You can create something that that matches up with whatever it is that the macro is for. I really liked uh, one of the videos that I watched that you did was, uh, so when, you, when you're when you playing with the Stream Deck, you, you want to put little icons in. You could put just words if you're just a word person. Some of my stuff just does say it has the name of what it is because I know it by that. Um, but you need little icons. And, and I was kind of doing some icon stuff and I was downloading icon sets and they were like, they weren't really what I wanted. And then I came across, you've got a video on how to use Keynote to create icons that mean something to you. And... That was, again, you're just using all of the Mac stuff. You you pull all the pieces together to say, you know, I could do this in a different application. I mean, it could be done in PowerPoint or whatever, but I know Keynote. So I'm mm-hmm. going to do it in Keynote. And you walk through the steps. And this, boy, I'm really a fangirl here, you can tell. But you don't, you don't fool around at the beginning of your videos. There's not like three minutes of you telling me what you're going to tell me and telling me how you're going to tell me and how I should subscribe, blah, 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 blah. You go, okay, today we're going to talk about this. All right, let's go. And... And yet you also don't start in the middle. You do, a lot of people start with a, a really complicated st- setup that they already know and they're adding to it. You're, you're like, okay, here's an empty keynote document. All right, we want to go to the slide master. Let's go into there and let's start to work on this. And I really appreciate the simplicity of that and using tools that we maybe already have. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, yeah, the, the, the whole sort of my thing behind the channel is that I'm, I'm a lot of people's go-to tech guy. And so I always just imagine that I'm explaining to somebody uh, in my life, you know, who um, uh, I'm, I'm just trying to explain how to do something and the steps that you need to go through. So although sometimes I may have covered stuff in previous videos as well, unless it's a series of videos where there is a distinct sort of flow to them, uh, I always do try and come at each one with, you know, let's tell somebody how to go from, you know, A to B with uh, with all the steps that they need. <laughs> and I leave all of the, you know, like and subscribe. Usually I leave that all till the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that can wait. But it's so many videos, they just seem to waste so much time doing the setup. Yes. And yeah. I think I do that in my own in my own podcast. My stories always start with 20 minutes of why I started doing this, and then I tell you what I'm going to tell you. So I don't practice what I like, but that's me. Um, in Keyboard Maestro, one of the things I've found to be a problem is people start in the middle on that. Like, that's the one where people already have a lot of stuff built up. And uh, I started watching your beginning one, and I think that's going to help me get more foundational information. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of the goal of where you started. Yes. I mean, so I have got the beginner's guide to uh, Keyboard Maestro, which I've still got to finish that and go on to the intermediate and advanced. So I haven't made all of the whole series yet. But yeah, that is definitely one that is a uh, more of a series where I'm going to go through a whole sort of, a bit like I did with the Stream Deck videos, where it is a kind of chain of videos that you follow through from start to finish to be kind of almost like a, a sort of course, really. So if we went to Take One Tech on YouTube, we'd be able to see this is a, here's the series on on uh, Stream Deck, here's the series on Keyboard Maestro. Have you done them on uh, Text Expander? Uh, I've got one that was basically about the um, uh, my, my 
core productivity apps, so of which Text Expander was one. Uh, I think I've done about okay. two or maybe three videos on Text Expander, but I intend to do a whole sort of series on all of these productivity tools that I use. So uh, there's still more to come. <laughs> well, that's that's what's fun when you've got so many you want to do. That's when you can tell you've got an enthusiasm to keep going. I've got about 150 in my OmniFocus list at the moment, so uh, videos to make. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so I haven't talked yet about why I called you a wizard. Explain the title of your of your channel. <laughs> so it's called Take One Tech, and the reason is that I do all of my videos live to tape, as it were, live to disc, uh, it recorded in uh, in one take. And using Ecamm Live is the thing that allows me to do that because I can just go from you know, start to finish, bring in my title sequence, the music that I have in the, the beginning where I do my little intro, uh, the title sequence, then I do all of my sort of demos and things like that and going all the way through to my end scene uh, where it's got my sort of outro, you know, watch these videos next, that sort of thing. Uh, and it's just all done in one take using Ecamm Live. And so... <laughs> okay, sure, sure. The Ecamm Live stuff makes it easier. But I don't believe it's possible. I really, really, <laughs> truly don't believe this is the wizard part. I don't believe you can actually do this because you're you're talking for twenty or thirty minutes on a highly technical topic. You're stepping through, you know, methodical steps that are clearly well thought out, well laid out ahead of time. I, I, it's not possible to do that in one take. It, it can't be done, Alec. I, I make videos for Screencast Online, video tutorials, and I think they're fantastic. They're really, really good. And there's probably, uh, I don't know, 150 t separate pieces strung together to make a 20, 30-minute video or 30, 40-minute video. There's no way I could do that. And, and these are, usually they're on topics that I know like the back of my hand. It's not like I don't know them. I just how how do you do this? This doesn't sound possible. I mean, do you have notes in front of you that you're actually stepping through to remember what you wanted to say next? I I, I don't have um I don't have notes or a script. I just sort of think in advance though about like the the you know the, I I have to give it some thought because I've got to obviously get the you know if I if I'm talking about a piece of software then I'll have the web browser open with the website. I'll have somewhere else on my screen where, you know, with Stream Deck, for example, have the Stream Deck app open. So I make sure everything is all positioned. Um, by the way, I speed up that with, I use uh, Moom for window management on the Mac. So um, what I have with my Stream Deck is I've got a button that when I press it, it opens everything that I need to be opened and then it organizes it all in the right place. Uh, and so I can be kind of up and running quite quickly with that. So that sort of speeds up the workflow. The reason why I came to this, this point of doing videos this way was because I was creating course content for um, some of the other uh, businesses that I'm involved in. And it was, uh, I was, I was really my own worst enemy when it comes to editing, because if I knew that I could edit, I would retake things multiple times. Uh, and then when I did come to edit it, I was not the best editor in any case. So, uh, so then I was making life hard for myself with all of these extra edits. And so I would be spending uh, an awful lot more time on the editing than on the production. Uh, and I just I didn't really enjoy the process. And I thought, I just need to get down to doing this in a, in a, uh, uh, more <laughs> streamlined way. And so that's when I started looking into this possibility of using something like Ecamm uh, to do it all in uh, in one take. The way that I approach it, though, is I do think, as I say, thinking that I'm just explaining it to you know a friend, a colleague or something like that, uh, and taking them through the steps that I would, uh, would take. Um, and I'm also mindful of the fact that I'm a lot more critical of myself than other people 
generally are. And I think that's the same for everyone. So I call myself a recovering perfectionist because I would always <laughs> before want everything to be absolutely perfect. And that would actually hold me back from creating the content. Um, and so what I realized is that actually, if I, I just get things out there, there's plenty of mistakes in my videos, <laughs> you know, in terms of ums and ahs and things like that, that if I was editing, I would want to go and take all of those little uh, things out. Uh, and sometimes I miss things as well in the video. So, you know, if I had it formally scripted, then uh, that might uh, eliminate some of that. But I just found that my flow when I was trying to read from scripts wasn't very good either. So, uh, yeah, it's just a case of practicing. And that was the whole point of the channel, really, to practice this process. And you've been doing these Take One Tech. You've done how many videos in a row uh, every so week? It's, um, it was actually, a, I, I wanted to aim for doing a hundred videos in my first hundred days. Um, so I did. hundred days? Oh, yeah. So I did, uh, I did achieve that. And then now the goal is to carry on basically and do 365 in a year. So basically a video a day. Now I'm not aiming to record a video a day. It's just to sort of average over that time. That's kind of my, my goal. So I am a little bit behind with that at the moment, but, um, uh, yeah, it's just a case of setting a goal and then there's nothing like a goal to motivate you. What I like about your, you call them mistakes, but where you'll, I don't know, you do some little, little flub and you make that little giggle like you just did, you, <laughs> you know, it's just, you're just like, yep, yeah, well, okay, moving on. But what I still can't wrap my brain around is how you tell a cohesive story from beginning to end of how to use a tool. I understand using Moom. I've got a button that does that, you know, that sets all my, my stuff up right where I want it, not only because you showed me how to do it, but it's on the stream deck now, you know, but I had a keyboard maestro macro that puts everything where it's supposed to do. And it does my lighting and all that kind of stuff. I'm not even doing video of myself. I'm just doing video of the screen and I've got an outline and a layout. Maybe I do too much planning. And it's because I have that planning, but I, I just, I need to know where the story's going to go. I need to know where the beginning, middle and end is going to be. I need to know what the detailed steps are that I don't want to miss mm -hmm. um, and make sure I'm teaching everything about that tool. I, I, I'm just trying to come up with excuses for why I can't do what you do. I think you hit on something there though, because I always used to find that when I did have stuff before that I was doing where I'd write a script for it. So some of the other video production stuff I was trying to do before and killing myself with the editing. Uh, in those things, I would tend to write a script. And so the, the thing that I found with that for me was if I deviated from the script, then I would feel I was lost and I would, I would you know, have to get back to it. Whereas with not having a script, I'm never off script. <laughs> and yeah. so I don't have to worry about that sort of aspect of it. So that was from, for me personally, that was quite kind of quite liberating to think, well, I don't have a, a particular script that I'm working to. So I guess, so I don't really do a script for the, the video tutorials, but I do have, uh, like, for example, I just did one on Parallels Toolbox and there's 40 separate tools in Parallels Toolbox. And I did about, I don't know, 27 of them in 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. So for each one of those, I needed to go through it and find out what was the important thing that it could do and how did it do it? You know, mm -hmm. were there any switches that needed to be flipped to make this do what you wanted to do? Was there a setting file or something like that? So that's all in a um, and an iThoughts uh, uh, mind map. So mm -hmm. in that mind map, I've got this is the name of the tool. This is what it, the problem it solves. And this is what you got to remember to say. Mm -hmm. There's no way I'm going to remember 27 tools in my head. Every one of those things. I just even though I use these tools all the day long, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the tool. I don't know how you keep it all in your head to do it in order. <laughs> I mean, I could do it. I used to always tell people, 
people say, oh, making video tutorials is easy. I said, no, making good video tutorials is hard. Making, just turning on a microphone and a video camera and starting to yak is, is that's easy. But you're doing both. <laughs> I, I, I do give it, it's not like I go into it with no thought whatsoever, though. I do go through those steps that you're talking about um, as well and thinking about, you know, what I've got to say. So I do, I do, I do. I don't just go in it totally unplanned. <laughs> I think about the sort of things that I'm going to talk about. And especially if I'm but doing something head. about... Yeah, I get, yeah. Unless I'm doing something like a, a software update where there is lots of different... So I've done videos about software updates for different things. So in that case, if there is like a list of features that have come out, then I'll definitely just have a list of those to refer to to make sure I do cover all of those. Um, but okay. generally for the, the regular tutorials, then I just... Uh, <laughs> Go into it and hope for the best. I, I think you're an absolute wizard. I don't. Uh, I don't even. I, well, how long is an average one of your videos? They're around about 25, 30 minutes. So I was. My aim was to do a hundred okay. videos that were averaging thirty minutes, and so yeah, just slightly short of that. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna beat myself up about that. <laughs> I, I think the the things that you've uh, been talking about about how to automate using uh, Ecamm Live and using Stream Deck and and Keyboard Maestro and Moom, I think all those things are useful. But I think you have a magical talent that, and then insert magic here. <laughs> oh well, thank you very much. <laughs> It's, and I don't mean that just just to make you gush, uh, or not just to make you blush and me gush. It's so uh, you don't, it's, it's, it's all a, it's all a practice, you know. That's the 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 point of it. It's I'm, I am I'm I'm improving the process and uh, hopefully improving the uh, sort of technique of doing it as well. So, uh, and then I'm, as well as the YouTube stuff, then I'm also then making video content for some of my other things as well. Okay, okay. Do you um, so in terms of planning? describe like today I'm going to do a video on uh intermediate stream deck what would your what would your planning be so um, my sort of youtube time is in the early hours of the morning I wake up at around about three o'clock and then four till six is kind of my youtube time before the the kids get up before it gets noisy in the house wow <laughs> um, three in the morning so <laughs> but I go to bed late it's a lot of people think I mustn't sleep but I go to bed at sort of eight or nine in the evening so I still get plenty okay. of sleep um, but, um, yeah, so then I come down and I just look at my OmniFocus list and then pick a video or often there'll be a question that's been asked on the, uh, in one of my other videos or in one of the Facebook groups that I'm in where someone's asked how to do something. So I'll often just make a video that's directly answering somebody, which also makes it, uh, I find easier to make a video if somebody's asked a direct question and I'm making a video for them about that question. Uh, then I've got somebody sort of in my mind. Um, and then, yeah, I'll just sort of sit down, think about what needs to be covered, uh, open up all the relevant things so the application the any preferences windows or anything like that and just make sure that i've got those all like aligned in the different scenes showing the different parts of the desktop um and then yeah give it a little bit of thought and and go into it and then once i've finished it's saved the uh, the video file to disk uh, and then i'll just upload that to youtube and then the the thumbnails for youtube um <laughs> i just took a lot of sort of silly pictures there is a, a sort of thing youtube face <laughs> all these sort of shocked expressions and things like that which surprisingly <laughs> do make a difference in terms of the click-through rate uh but they really are, yeah they, they really do there's That's a great funny. tool for uh, youtube called tube buddy which will go through and basically analyze all of your uh thumbnails uh, and i can tell you that uh, alec shocked face gets a five percent click-through rate whereas a neutral face gets a 3% click-through rate. So those oh, sort of crazy pictures so... that people do have been analysed to death. 
and they really work, which is why people do them. So it's uh, that so. is so funny. <laughs> I, I saw those. They're 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 cheesy. They're very <laughs> cheesy. Yeah, my uh, my daughter does make fun of me for them. <laughs> but I just basically this was this was back when I was getting everything set up. I just took a whole load of uh, pictures of. Uh, of myself to use for these thumbnails and then i've got just a photoshop file uh, so then i just go and throw up the title choose one of these random embarrassing pictures <laughs> and then that's the thumbnail created and uh, and then the video is up sort of within sort of two hours basically so from sitting down to think what video i'm going to make to it being up is uh, no more than two hours so just to put this in perspective for the audience uh let's say i'm going to do um uh, Parallels Toolbox, like I said, I'm going to do Parallels Toolbox a week before the video, before my start date of the video. So the video is due on a Monday. I usually start the video the Monday before. The Monday before that, I sit down with the tool and I open up uh, iThoughts and I start going methodically through each tool. And it takes me about a week to create that, that, uh, that mind map. Then on Monday, I try to start recording and I don't because it's hard so I procrastinate till Tuesday. Usually <laughs> by Tuesday night, I'm like, oh, I really got to start. So I'll just turn on the recorder and record my, the intro voice so I can, I can say, okay, I started. And once I can get over that static friction, I start. And it will take me from Tuesday through probably Saturday to create that 40-minute video. And that's working maybe three to four hours a day. That's how long it takes me to do it. And it's not because I'm bad at editing or I dislike editing. It's, it just takes forever. Now I'm I'm thinking I'm doing this wrong. <laughs> well, that that was my experience before of doing it. Except I was bad at editing, so add on a significant amount of time <laughs> extra to that. <laughs> um, there is there is something really liberating about knowing that you haven't got another shot at it. So whereas before, okay. if I made a mistake, I would go back and then I'd think, oh well, that if I if I'm going to edit this bit, then I need to go back even further and just like redo this this part. Whereas knowing that you can just sort of run on through it. And if I make a mistake, then, you know, you've probably seen, I will just, as you say, either laugh at it or highlight the fact that I've made an error or something like that. Um, knowing that I'm talking to, uh, the way I think about it, I'm talking to a friend who's going to uh, not really be overly critical and just, it's it's kind of the same in, in everyday conversation. We make little mistakes here and there and it's, it's not an issue really, is it? <laughs> Although I should say that yeah. I do view this differently for my YouTube channel as if I was doing something, obviously if you're doing, uh, you know, actual paid tutorials, a course material and things like that, then, uh, it is, I think a little bit more important that the, you are covering, well, it's, it's actually vital that you are covering all the different things. So there is a, a slight difference, I think, with uh, or the way that I see it with my YouTube content because of the way that I've, I've sort of positioned it from the outset. So it's kind of yeah. There talking. is there's definitely a freedom. I know I do my work for my own podcast very differently than what I do for Don McAllister for Screencast Online. Sure. Those are two completely different things. I I want to be perfect when I'm doing yes. it for Don's, uh, especially since it's a paid tutorial service. I need to be I need to be spot on. I can't be be messing things up. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just thinking though that I. It seems like I ought to be able to record longer before stopping. I I don't ever record longer than say two to three minutes at a shot. Right. And so it seems like if I said, okay, Allison, you got to record for 20 minutes and you don't get to edit. Mm -hmm. There's going to be no editing. What would happen? Would I be able to go longer? I bet not. <laughs> it's, it's worth a try. I mean, it's, <laughs> it is yeah. one of those things once you, once you, uh, once you just decide that, right, I'm not going to edit this, then it's, um, it's, you know, I'm not going to stop at least then 
see how far before you uh, think there's something you need to maybe edit afterwards. And especially if you are doing something where you're recording the screen um, and then you can sort of, you can always, can always go and add in an extra little bit, then uh, it's, uh, it's, it's worth trying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that gets into the piece that'll, depending on the application that you're demonstrating and whether it's the Mac or, or iOS, things can have moved too, or, you know, you've scrolled a window. Uh, yes, and now yeah. if you go back to that, you you can't just insert a piece. Of you course, can't do yeah, it. Yeah. You have to re-record or, yeah. or you have to do some fade through to pretend that whole thing never happened, you know, erase yeah. what you just did. Uh-huh. Uh, but I'm not even doing it with, if doing it with my video of my face at the same time. Oh, forget about it. That's... <laughs> Because then all of a sudden your head jumps, you know, because you were looking to the right versus the left and all of a sudden you look like Max Headroom or something. Yep. <laughs> that is uh, that is still astonishing to me that you can do it. So that also explains why you're able to look right into the, the camera. I, I feel like you're talking to me when yes, you're doing yeah. the video because you're looking right into that camera. And I always assume that you somehow had a teleprompter behind that. So I actually do have a teleprompter, but I use it for eye contact. So I'd, for in business on Zoom calls, then I want to be able to look at the person. And so traditionally in Zoom calls, uh, people are kind of looking off to the side, looking somewhere else because they're not looking at you. Uh, and so being able to look into the screen uh, and see the other person looking back is uh, is the way that I do that. So I have a, uh, um, a Desview T3 teleprompter, which just slots over the top of my uh, my camera lens. And then I use a Lilliput A7 uh, field monitor that's actually a field monitor for a camera. Uh, but that is that is underneath the teleprompter as a secondary display for my Mac. Uh, and so that actually, when I'm recording my videos, that has the output from uh, Ecamm Live displayed on there. So I can still see when I look in the screen, I can still see that what's going out is correct, but I'm looking down the camera. I would love to have a picture of what you just described because I can't really quite picture it. Um, uh oh, he's going to do it live in the video. He's going to bring it up on screen. Oh my gosh! So I've got my uh, my my. Remember, monitor. this is an audio podcast, as you describe sure. it. <laughs> so I've got my uh, monitor, which is a forty-three inch uh, Philips monitor. The reason why I like the it's a regular sized uh, regular aspect ratio, I should say. So it's a four K monitor, but then I've basically got sort of I think of it as sort of four HD areas. If you think of it split into four. Uh, of the screen so I can have my Ecamm Live stuff over on one side I could have an application on the top right bottom left and right and so on so I've got different spaces on the screen where I can put things um, and then also I have a kind of uh, a low-cost mic boom arm but that's got my uh, my old <laughs> mobile phone attached to it and then I use an application called Camo that allows me to basically use that as the top-down camera so that's just positioned sort of above my desk um, but then directly in front of me I've got um, uh, my uh, camera, which is a 10-year-old a Canon EOS 60D, is mounted on top of the uh, the monitor stand. Uh, and then, yeah, I've got my sort of teleprompter in front of that uh, that has the uh, the monitor uh, on top of it <laughs> to, um, wow. uh, to be it so that I can look into the screen and I'm looking uh, at, uh, well, at you in this case. But otherwise, this monitor is basically, it's just a, it's an extension of the monitor. So I can just drag things on and off it in the same way that I could do with... Uh, uh, a sort of regular um, screen. Uh, and so I have the output from Ecamm on here normally, or if I'm in a Zoom call, then the Zoom window is up up there instead. Okay. Okay. That is, uh, 
That is a that is a crazy setup. That's a, if you could take a photo of that afterwards that I could put it in the show notes, I think sure. that would be a, a really interesting shot. I want to see how you take a photo of yourself standing at that doing that. <laughs> I just realized uh, I didn't ask you one really important question. What do you record your videos? What do you use to record the videos? Uh, so th- that is um, uh, that is Ecamm Live, and it just records them straight to disk. So whatever I'm doing oh, okay. through Ecamm, there is a record button on there. Um, and I also use it, I do a weekly live stream as well uh, onto YouTube. Uh, and so I use Ecamm Live for that. So Ecamm Live is basically like the the production environment, if you like, where you yeah. add in all the sounds or the things like that. Um, and then uh, then that can either record or it can be used for streaming out to a, a platform. So for streaming to YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, wherever okay. it happens to be. I was going to guess that you were using ScreenFlow, but I guess since you don't need an editor, that's not a part of the workflow at all. That's it, yeah. And, and in Ecamm, as well as cameras, you can also then use a sort of screen sharing overlay so I can pick a specific application or a specific part of the screen that I want to share or the whole screen. Uh, and so that's just the part of the process of actually building up the different scenes, uh, adding in oh, that wow. as an element. Wow, that is really interesting. Okay, so this is uh, this might be turning now into Allison sneaking in a personal question of something she wants to know how to do. But I know a lot of people talk about using the Stream Deck, which I haven't explained very well. But it's a device that plugs in over USB to your to your computer. Um, if you push a button on that for audio, like you want to, I am not ever going to have zingers and noise little things that come into my recordings. Not going to do it. I can't stand those. But I don't understand how it gets from pushing a button to making a noise into a recording. I, I can't, I don't, there's a big missing piece in there because the button isn't sound. Right. So there is a uh, a built-in um, button on the Stream Deck itself for uh, for audio. And so Stream Deck has um, audio uh uh, like an audio stock library, if you like, built into it as well. So on the Stream Deck, there would be a um, uh, a little button to oh, go the to soundboard, the Stream Deck. Oh, the soundboard, maybe? That's correct. Yeah, so soundboard. So you can play audio uh, from that. Um, and there is also, so you can play any audio that you've already got on your computer. Uh, but there's also a little uh, button up at the top, which is the Stream Deck store. Uh, and then in the Stream Deck store, you can go into... Uh, music and sound effects and there are you know different sort of stock music and sound effects that you can download Uh, and so then when you actually uh, add those into your uh, when you've downloaded them and then you go back into your stream deck and you add in a play audio for example uh, then you can just play that audio now it will come through your computer as through system audio Uh, it's coming from stream deck so the stream deck application so if you were to think about it in uh, audio hijack terms, <laughs> then the uh-huh. sound source would be Stream Deck. That's where it's actually emanating from. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. So it's coming from, so the Stream Deck application would have to be open? Uh, yes. Yeah. In fact, well, actually the Stream Deck application is open and sits in the menu bar. You don't need the physical window open, uh, but okay. if you're using Stream Deck, the Stream Deck is open in the background. So if you were doing a recording, then you would have... Um, audio hijack you would have a uh, an input which would be the uh, stream deck and then you could feed that into whichever part you want okay. to go okay okay because I, I got as far as figuring out that i could download sound effects which was pretty cool because they were a bunch of free sound effects which was fun uh i have thought that maybe something in between my segments on my show would be good uh but i've never gotten around to doing it plus i don't know hard uh, but i just couldn't figure out how to connect that once i downloaded i went okay I don't know where it is and I don't know how to play it. I don't yep. know where, I don't know how to, Gazinta, you know? 
Yeah, that's for, the for those yeah, uh, the not watching board. the video, he actually just demonstrated the whole thing uh, by popping with with ecam showing his his uh, screen, showing all of the things that he was just <laughs> explaining. Well, this is this has been this has been really fantastic. I feel like we could talk for days and hours here, um, but I probably should cut us off. Uh, if people wanted to find you on YouTube, they would go to uh, just search for Take One Tech, and uh, you'll find me. All right. Uh, what? Any other websites? What uh, should uh, they look for you on Twitter or? Yeah, TakeOneTech.io is my uh, website, and uh, that'll have links to all of my other social uh, profiles and things like that. Yeah, I've always said everything good is it is under .io. I've yep. never found something on .io that wasn't amazing. <laughs> so, shoot, I should have gone Podfeed.io. That I'd be way better at this if I'd done that. <laughs> Well, Alec, thank you so much for letting us cut into your, your 4 a.m. in Thailand uh, YouTube time. Uh, now you're going to miss your 365 days and you're going to blame me. It's going to be a terrible thing, right? <laughs> no problem. I'll, I'll catch up somehow, I'm sure. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us. Hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. Did you notice there weren't any ads in the show? That's because this show is not ad supported. It's supported by you. If you learned something, or maybe you were just entertained, consider contributing to the Podfeet podcast. You can do that by going over to podfeet.com and look for the big red button that says support the show. When you click that button, you're going to find different ways to contribute. If you like to do a one-time donation, you can click the PayPal button. If you want to make a recurring contribution, click the weekly Patreon button. Or another way to contribute is to record a listener contribution. It's a great way to help the Nocilla Castaways learn from you. If you want to contact me for any reason, you can email me at allison at podfeet.com and you can follow me on Twitter at podfeet. Maybe you want to talk to other Nocilla Castaways. You can do that in our Slack group at podfeet.com slash Slack. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed. <laughs>